Uh, thank you, honey. <sighs> Good morning, everybody. So nice to see all your happy, smiling faces looking at me this morning. Uh, look, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I feel woefully under-equipped today. I just I have the sense that God is doing something mighty and I don't want to get in the way. <laughs> I don't want to snuff it up. But thankfully, I'm not big enough nor powerful enough to interrupt the plans that the Father has for us this morning. So uh, I'm going to say some stuff and I'm just going to, uh, Lord, do what you've got to do this morning. Amen. Uh, so, yes, I'm talking about fear today. I, I felt a leading to talk about fear. Actually, I didn't feel to talk about fear. The word I was getting was to go after fear, to target fear, to be intentional about destroying fear, not just chat about it. Now, we've come through a season, haven't we, of, um, well, a whole year of, almost a whole year of COVID now. Um, and the associated fear that has been along with that, and you know, there's there's other things happening on the planet which I'm not going to talk about or get into in the sermon. But there's things happening which cause fear in people, and fear is something that we are uh, dealing with as a society. We see it in outbreaks uh, or rates of anxiety in people um, at a rate that we've never seen before. And um, it's something that the enemy is having a field day on this earth. So I thought we'd go after it today. There's, um, there is such a thing as natural fear. And this kind of fear is good because it stops you jumping off cliffs and things. Unless you're, um, is Daniel here today? Daniel uh, Feldmeyer, he's a, not a cliff jumper, he's a rock climber. But uh, my natural fear present, prevents me from doing any of those sort of things. In fact, I've, I built a deck at my house. Uh, it's about six metres high. Uh, if you've seen it, it's quite high up there. And, and when we have visitors, we like to show them the view because we look out over the city and we take them up there. And some people walk out on it and enjoy the view. And some people stop at the door and go, oh, this is fine, thanks. I'm good here. So we have different levels of our natural fear, but it's designed to protect us, keeps us safe, stops us walking out onto the road in front of traffic most of the time. There's also what's known as the fear of the Lord. And you might have heard of that before. We don't talk about it much. Um, I'm not sure why. Uh, But let me explain that the fear of the Lord is actually given to us by the Holy Spirit. The verse I have to demonstrate this is in Isaiah chapter 11. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. It's talking about Jesus, just so you know. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. So you can see the fear of the Lord actually comes from the Holy Spirit. So we're used to, to the Holy Spirit manifesting things that we have been talking about as of recent times, like prophecy and healing. And we see the Holy Spirit manifesting these things, and they're awesome. But He also manifests in us the fear of the Lord. Now, the result of this, the result of the fear of the Lord is varied. And we're going to go through a few of them. If you can keep up, if you're taking notes, get ready because we're going to fly through them. 
First of all, it causes us to depart from evil, Proverbs 16, 6. In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity, and by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. Oh, it's not up there. Doesn't, doesn't matter, Tony. I was unclear with my explanation. Uh, the other thing, the next thing it does is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 1 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So, so it's the beginning of wisdom. It prolongs days. Proverbs 10 27. The fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. It's a fountain of life. Proverbs 14 27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. It brings riches, honour and life in Proverbs 22.4. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honour and life. It brings us near to salvation, Psalm 85.9. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. It leads to life and keeps us safe from evil. Proverbs 19.23, the fear of the Lord leads to life and he who has it will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. It brings goodness, Psalm 31.19. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. It brings mercy, Psalm 103, verse 11. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. Provides everything we need, Psalm 34.9. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want or lack to those who fear him. It brings a blessing, Psalm 112, verses 1 to 2. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. So there's 11 quick things. Benefits from our fear of the Lord. You see, God has given us that for our benefit. The Holy Spirit manifested in us so that we can live a lifestyle of adoration, awe, and reverence to the God we serve. So fear stops us getting hurt in the natural, and it increases the abundance of God in our life in both the natural and spiritual sense when applied the correct way. But in John 10.10, 10, it says this, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. You see, God created this, this thing called fear that to protect us, to keep us safe and to draw us close to him. The enemy, the devil, he can't create anything. He only comes to steal, kill and destroy. So he takes what God has created for good and he twists it and he uses it for your harm uses it for your destruction. In Genesis 3, verse 6, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. First of all, in verse, here it says, um, it was a tree desirable to make one wise. So she took off the fruit and ate. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
So by taking the fruit, Eve rejects what God, God as her source and says, I can make this happen on my own. I can do this on my own. And you know what? This is the basis for all sin. God, I can do this on my own. I don't need you. I'll sort it out myself. Jesus had complete and total reliance on the Father for everything he did. And so he's our perfect example of reliance on God for everything. You know, I was really impacted. I've uh, been reading through Acts, and I was so impacted by this, this simple thing um, the other day where, you know, the disciples were, were like praying and, and interceding and ministering, and, they were, and the, um, the Greek Jews came and compl- started complaining, saying, Ah, oh, there's no one looking after our widows. And the disciples decided to appoint the deacons. I mean, you all know this story. But what really struck me was they looked for people full of the Holy Spirit to wait on tables. We need God in everything. We need his spirit in everything. I'm getting sidetracked. That wasn't even in here. Where am I? So we're in, the, we're in, um, we're in Genesis. Uh, verse 9. Mankind. Where are we? Verse 9, then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Now, in the verses preceding this one, mankind has just given away dominion of the earth to the enemy. They've just given it away. The first thing that happens, fear comes into the world is twisted and is used to separate man from God. Straight away, first thing that happens. Because fear of God became fear of punishment. The fear of God that was for Adam's benefit was now being twisted and warped. And instead of drawing him near to God, it was causing a separation. And it's still doing this to us today. Um, Mia Davis and Mervyn Mia were doing their, um, their talk here the other day about marriage and how to have a strong marriage. And she introduced us all to the word confabulate. Do you remember that word? Let me explain what it means if you weren't here. Confabulation is a memory error defined as the production of fabricated, distorted or misinterpreted memories about oneself or the world or believing things that they have imagined as if they were real. Uh, let me tell you a little story. There was a doctor, it was a man with a sick wife, and he called for the doctor, and the doctor came to the house. And, uh, and the man was in the kitchen, very worried about his sick wife, and the doctor says, I'll go straight. And he picked up his briefcase, and he went into the bedroom where the sick wife was lying down. And, and um, after about five minutes, the doctor came out and said to the man in the kitchen, uh, sorry to bother you, but do you have a chisel? And the man's like, oh, well, yeah, I've got a chisel. So he got a chisel and he gave the doctor the chisel. The doctor went back into the, into the bedroom with the chisel. And about five minutes later, he came out looking a bit red in the face and a bit flustered. And he says, have you got a steak knife? And the man's like, what? Ah, oh, yeah, we've got a steak knife. Here you go. And so he gives the steak knife to the doctor and the doctor goes back into the room. And 20 minutes later, he comes out and his sleeves are rolled up and he's sweating. And he goes, have you got a crowbar? And the man's like, 
oh no, what's going on? What's happening? I'm, I'm, what are you doing to my wife? And the doctor says, your wife? I've been trying to get my briefcase open. <laughs> we can get ourselves trapped in a downward spiral of things that aren't even true. And they play in our mind and they, they trap us in the worst case scenario. Psalm 53 verse 5 puts it like this. Then they are in great fear where no fear was. There wasn't any fear there, but they were in fear. The enemy throws lies into our mind and it results in fear of things which have not nor are ever going to take place. Mark 4, 24. Then he said to them, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. Do you know what this verse is saying is that whatever you allow into your life, it amplifies in you. Either good or bad. Take heed what you hear. Be careful about what you allow into your life because it grows in your life. Um, Fiona's a teacher and she was telling me one time about a story of this child who, who couldn't sleep and would have nightmares and, um, and, you know, was always tired in class and everything. And it turns out the reason they can't sleep or have nightmares is because they're watching horror movies with their siblings of an evening. Now, that's a no-brainer, isn't it? Kids aren't that wise. That's why they need parents. But the enemy can be a lot more subtle than that. How are you going to pay that bill next month? Oh, no. How am I going to pay that? I'm going to lose. I won't be able to pay it. I'm going to lose the house. I'm going to be out in the street. Or your boss looked annoyed at you the other day. Oh, no. I'm not doing a very good job. I'm going to lose my job. And then I won't be able to pay that bill. And then I'm going to be out in the street. Or everyone understands what the teacher's saying except you. Oh, no. I won't be able to get a job. And then I won't be able to pay that bill. I'm out on the street again. Take heed with what you hear. Be careful about the voice that is in your mind trying to bring you into that place of fear and anxiety. And some of us are in that place because we've allowed fear to have a voice in our lives. Philippians verse four, chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Fill your mind with good stuff. It's not just avoid thinking about the negative things or try really hard to to stop those negative thoughts coming in, but proactively fill your mind with the things of God. Find things to be thankful for. Don't worry, Matthew 6, 31 to 34. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For if your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Seek first. What do you make a priority in your life? What are you putting first? What's your focus on? And what's filling you? 
Worship and praise is a good thing to do in those times. In Isaiah 6.3, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And it's not just singing, it's actually living a lifestyle of praise with God at the centre of everything and all glory going to him in all things, all ways. And you know what? I'm saying a lot of things and, and there's a lot of verses that I'm, I'm throwing out there and they all make sense. They do all make sense and it's true and it's the Bible. However, some of us are still stuck in that place and we know these verses and we still get impacted and we still get bound up in fear and we still get restricted and separated from God. And even though we know these verses, we still end up in that place. Sometimes it's just not that easy. I want to explain something to you all this morning. The reason that is, is because fear is a spirit. There is a spirit of fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. God's given us some good stuff, but be aware there is a spirit of fear. The enemy seeks to establish spiritual strongholds and these strongholds exist in your mind. The spirit of fear establishes strongholds in your mind. And so that stronghold affects the way we think, it affects what we believe, and it keeps us in bondage in that area. And it's based on deception. Good news. Jesus says in Luke 4, 18, I have come to proclaim liberty to the captives. He also says to set at liberty those who are oppressed. He wants you free, and freedom is his mandate. He is our freedom from any demonic stronghold. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And the spirit of fear is one of the tactics to uh, one of his tactics to disarm you, to disempower you, and to distance you from God. But thankfully, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, is power. Power to overcome the works of the enemy, including fear. Luke 10, 19, Behold, I give you the authority or power to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Back to 2 Timothy again. God's Spirit is um, power and love. God's Spirit is love that casts out the spirit of fear. 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love, which is God, casts out all fear. God's spirit is power, love, and a sound mind. God's spirit gives us a sound mind free from the strongholds of the enemy, which reside up here. 2 Corinthians 10.4-5, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, 
and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Jesus is our deliverer through the Holy Spirit and power, ministered by love to free and guard our mind. Isn't that beautiful? Revelation 12, verse 10 says this, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. The enemy is our accuser. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's in the throne room accusing us. He throws temptation our way. And then when we sin, he says, see, see how sinful they are. They need to be separated from you. They need to be destroyed. He's accusing us continually. But we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of the our testimony, the blood of the Lamb, Jesus became sin on the cross and took it from us. The enemy's accusation against us has become null and void. Jesus has removed the argument. Romans 8.1 There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So if you're subject to fear in this room and you don't know Christ, he is your way to freedom. And uh, you need to give your life to him today and allow him to deal with the enemy's claim over your life. So we're no longer condemned, but we're sons and daughters of God. The enemy's stronghold has no rightful authority or dominion over us anymore. We have overcome by the blood of the Lamb And the word of the testimony. Might get the team up. Thanks, Tim. We're going to declare something this morning because I think there's power in us speaking it with our mouths. So will everyone stand with me this morning? You see, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. There's something about us speaking out who God is, what He's done and who He's called us to be that breaks off the power of the enemy. So if you've been struggling in your life and in areas where you're fearful or anxious, allow Jesus to speak into your life. Allow Him to do the work. It's Him who who brings the freedom. You don't have to work harder at it. You don't have to memorize more scriptures. Well, it's not a bad thing to do, but that's not going to set you free. Jesus sets you free. Allow Him to minister to you. Now, what is the blood of the Lamb is, is, makes us sanctified, justified, removes the devil's argument, but there's the word of the testimony. So I've I've found four scriptures, um, they're just up there. I'm not going to read them out, but we're going to declare something based on those four scriptures. 
So if you're taking notes and you want to read them later and speak them over your life, jot them down. We'll leave them up on the screen for a bit. But I want us all to repeat after me this declaration. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, I have been redeemed and all my sin has been forgiven. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, I have been cleaned from all past, present and future sin. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, I am sanctified, being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, I am justified, free from the guilt of sin. The enemy's accusations are invalid. The enemy has no hold on me because of Jesus. Amen. You know, this is our testimony. He's done it all. He paid the price. And we can speak it out and remind ourselves that we are His and His alone. The enemy has no hold on us. His accusations are null and void. Freedom is ours, not because of who we are, but because of who He is and who He calls us to be. We're going to sing that last song again. As we sing it through, if you know that there's specific areas that you need freedom from, I want you to allow Jesus to minister to you in this time. Close your eyes and ask Him. Show me where areas where fear has been a stronghold. Allow Him to minister to you as we worship. And if you don't know Christ, you need to know Him today. So as we uh, end the service after, um, afterwards, look for someone who's joyful, who's full of joy. Because likely, likely uh, it is that they know Jesus already. And ask them to introduce you to Him. Thanks, Tim.